The third lesson of the morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture in the word that Jesus had spoken. The word of the Lord. When I was growing up, one of my favorite Saturday afternoon activities was one major, physical, slightly scary, dirty neighborhood game of backyard football. We had a great group of friends, varying in all ages and size, but we were all actually all a group of good group of kids, the kind of friends that would sit right here in the balcony on Sunday morning together. It was a beautiful day right in the middle of football season, and for some reason, the whole group of friends were all shaving their heads. Everyone was doing it, and myself being slightly younger than the group and really looking up to the other guys, just wanted to buzz my head like the rest of them. I begged my mom repeatedly, and time after time, I kept getting the same answer, the one I didn't want to hear. The next week, I went back over to the backyard where all the football was played and the heads were shaved, and right in the middle of the game, I made a decision. It was completely my choice, and I jumped right on the bandwagon, to say the least. I had my head shaved, and when my mom pulled in the driveway to pick me up, I knew I'd made the wrong decision. <laughs> it wasn't the actual act that my parents were, stro- that were so struck by, it's just hair, but the fact that I did something I was told not to do and completely defied them. I had betrayed their trust. My mother was heartbroken, but the state she was in could not have come close to how Jesus felt when he entered the temple and saw what was before him in his father's holy place. Why did I make the decision I did? Why did I jump on the bandwagon that was before me? And what was I going to have to face now that I had clearly done wrong? When Jesus came to the temple, it was right around the time of Passover. With two million people coming from all over the land for the special time, the temple began to be misused. The visitors in town needed to exchange their currency and purchase animals for the upcoming sacrifices. An idea came across the townspeople to cheat the visitors and charge up to ten times more in cost and other means of unfair business. Once this simple opportunity to make quick money was discovered, more and more of the people who were in the right place, the temple, got caught up in the wrong act in doing what everyone else was doing. They were jumping on the bandwagon, a bandwagon that was full of worldly ways. Greed had taken over and values were being compromised. Jesus came into the temple yielding a whip, a side of Jesus that is not seen often, a side of Jesus that is hard to imagine. I personally believe the whip was not used to strike the people. I believe the whip was used to get the people's attention and to redirect them. I believe the physical presence of the whip and the powerful crackling sound were enough to draw the people's focus to Jesus and show his anger. 
it would certainly be enough to get my attention. Jesus was beyond enraged because of all of these mostly good people were defacing the holy temple. I am sure he had to be heartbroken. Why was Jesus sowing this angry side? Because he loved all the people in the temple. He loved them enough to make them suffer the consequences. Just like the time I buzzed my hair and I disobeyed my parents. I was caught up with what was going on around me and I jumped on the bandwagon. I compromised my values and I betrayed their trust. Lucky enough for me, my parents loved me enough to give me consequences for my actions. Yes, I did say I was lucky for that. No matter where we are today, church, school, work, or in the backyard playing football with the boys, we cannot let ourselves get caught up in the moment and follow what is around us. We are blessed to have the opportunity to make our own choices of what we want to do and how we live our lives. We, are all, we also have to remember that all of our choices have consequences, consequences that can affect other people. Through these consequences and because of, the, and because of these consequences, we begin to see things differently. We refocus. We begin to grow. We are being redirected down a new path with a new direction, a new purpose. A new purpose designed by God specifically for us. It is then up to our beliefs and how we choose to represent not only ourselves, but God in our actions. The whip directs me. The whip guides me. The whip loves me. The whip makes sacrifices for me and leads me on a path designed for me and not the path of the bandwagon. Where is the whip redirecting you? Benjamin, I, just, I bet you're just glad that Carrie's not cracking the whip on you. <laughs> Good morning. Lately, I've found myself scrambling to find my head when I wake up in the mornings. I almost guarantee you that this is the way most 18-year-old seniors feel. It is often hard to keep track of all the things that I must accomplish before daylight runs out. I think every night that I lie in my bed and think that I need to be more organized with my life, but never seem to follow through with those plans. This is the unfortunate reality that I am growing up. Many of you would tell me that this is only the beginning of the long days and long nights. My friends in college tell me that I must prepare now for the future because the days will become longer and sleep becomes less prevalent. I think even my mom tells me every morning that I need to slow down and enjoy life for a little while. But yet I don't seem to listen to that advice. Before yesterday, if you looked at my truck, you would find a set of golf clubs, multiple sets of clothes, a different pair of shoes, a book bag, a clipboard, and a box full of everything you would want to know about Jay Jordan's statehouse campaign. I will be the first to tell you that my truck needs to be cleaned out. And actually, yesterday I did get around to it. But my life needs to be more organized, and yet I can't find time to even do that. So when we go back to the scripture for a second, this is an entirely different way, just like, Jesus, or just like Benjamin said, of seeing Jesus. He storms into the temple, turning over tables and yelling at the merchants. The merchants least expected this because this is the way they have been making their living for years. And to give you a little biblical history, the merchants would set up shop in the outer rim of the temple because only Jewish men could go back to the back room to pray. Everyone else, including Gentiles and the Jewish women, would make their offerings and sacrifices for the upcoming Passover, only to have them stolen and sold off to the merchants for them to make money. I don't know how well I would take it if some man came into my business and ransacked it and began yelling and turning out the place. But the merchants and exchanges probably didn't even realize that they were doing anything wrong. They had been doing this for generations. In reality, it is obvious that we shouldn't be making money and selling things in the house of the Lord. 
But these men had conformed to this awful technique of taking advantage of people's sacrifices. And when Nate first told us that we would be preaching on this story, I was immediately reminded about conforming lesson that Nate himself had taught just a few Sundays ago. Nate read us a poem, and I'm going to read that poem for you this morning. It's probably one that you know. Is This is the Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both. And be one traveler long I stood, and looked down as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other, as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for it, for that passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, in leaves no step had trodden black, Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted it if, I, if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. This poem is easily related to our lives. We conform to the norms of today's world. We don't walk our own path, but seem to fall into a system that we see nothing wrong with. Busyness and clutter take over our lives, and we don't find ourselves making an effort to even break that mold. We are left in awe when we get sick, or we find ourselves exhausted, because we don't take the time to take care of our well-being. This instance reminds me of the September 11th attacks on our country, because as a country, we thought that our security was guaranteed, but on that tragic morning, we found our faces glued to TV screens in shock when we should have noticed the signs of these imminent attacks for years. Lent, like Jesus, finds a way to sneak up on us and yell in our face. It is an eye-opening experience because it gives each of us 40 days to reflect on the sins of the previous 365. My question for myself and for you is, why do we let this happen? Why do we wait till Lent to make changes in our lives? Why did the merchants wait until Jesus came into the temple to stop taking advantage of people worshiping God? Confirmations are the unfortunate answer. We don't slow down to change what we need to change. I gave up soda for Lent, and while it has been a daunting task, it is a change that is necessary to my health. I shouldn't have had to wait until Ash Wednesday to make this change in my life. But we are very blessed to have a forgiving God that allows us time to prepare our hearts for Easter. We can't find ourselves to be reliant on Lent to make our relationship with God better. We must use Lent as a springboard into the next year. I learned from this scripture not to fall into the grueling and ugly system, not to conform to the norms of today's world, as Robert Frost said, make our own path. We must make our own path with God. So to you, I say take full advantage of the remaining days of Lent and let this time be a changing point in your life where you don't find Jesus yelling in your face, but you go searching for him.